0: page Mila Falta. Welcome to the Letter from Ireland show, where we travel in the footsteps of your Irish ancestors, visiting their homelands and telling their stories as they put down roots in so many places around the world.
1: Hello everybody and you're very welcome to the Letter from Ireland show. So you're joining myself, and Mike Collins, and today we have a very special guest. It's our Green Room genealogist based here in Ireland. It's Miss Jane McGarvey. And what we decided to do here for uh, Series 6, Episode 7, was we realised, first of all, the majority of people who both readers and uh, the Letter from Ireland, as well as members of the Green Room, are also members of Ancestry.com. So we said, wouldn't it be fun to chat with uh, Jane about what drives genealogists crazy. About how some people use Ancestry.com. So, I found this conversation enlightening for myself. So, I hope that you will find it both enlightening, educational, and useful yourself, and perhaps be inspired to go about using Ancestry.com uh, a little bit differently, or if you've yet to try it, to try it out for the first time. So, without further ado, here, oh, by the way, we have show notes as well. So, if you want to go to a letter from Ireland.com, forward slash 607 a letter from iron.com forward slash 607 you'll find the show notes there so without further ado on with the show hello Jane McGarvey how are you doing today
2: I'm great Mike isn't technology wonderful that we're able to chat
1: Yes, it's, it's, it's wonderful that we are actually ever, overcome our ability not to use it and chat like this. I'm beginning to find out anyway. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. So you're up there in the county down, if you don't mind me saying it like that. And I'm down here in County Cork and we're connected in these uncertain times through the technology you mentioned. So, yes, that is wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Now, Jane, the... the Topic of our, I suppose, podcast today, our conversation today, I think is an interesting one because one of the facts that struck me very early on when looking at the readers of the Letter from Ireland or members of the Green Room is, in fact, that over 80% of those people, I I, I suspect this even more sometimes, over 80% of those people are also members of Ancestry.com. So... That gives us the situation where a lot of these folks have trees on there. They have information coming their way and they come and approach yourself and Pam Holland, our other genealogists in the Green Room, with all sorts of questions. And sometimes that kind of drives you crazy because it seems that some people may be using Ancestry.com not quite the right way to get the best out of it. Now, I know I'm simplifying it by saying that, Jane, but the purpose of this conversation today, all we have the topic, the overall title, if you like, what drives genealogists crazy about how some people use Ancestry.com. Well, we'd like to dive into that a little bit and uh, point out a few truths and hopefully give people a navigation path more towards, a, I suppose, kind of a more fruitful way of using Ancestry.com for your Irish uh, family history research. Would that be some of those things uh, kind of resonate with you as well, Jane?
2: Oh, absolutely, Mike. Um, Ancestry is one of my favourite go to research. It's it's where I keep my work on progress trees for my family. So I very much am a user of Ancestry. Um, it has a lot of strengths, it has some, as um, like I said, Problems from how it is used, but overall, it's a wonderful thing to have.
1: Yeah, yeah, so let's get that straight right from the outset. So now we're kind of going to die over the course of the conversation, we're going to go through three different topics, Jane. And I know we've also had written input from Pam Holland as well, so we'll refer to some of that. You mightn't kind of folks, you mightn't hear which is which, but because we'll just converse generally around it. So the three topics are, number one, the strengths and weaknesses of Ancestry.com, what you need to be aware of. Topic two, problems with Ancestry.com, specific to Irish family history research. And topic number three, how can people improve the way they use Ancestry.com correctly? So I'm looking forward to this. How about we dive into the first topic there, Jane, strengths and weaknesses of Ancestry.com.
2: Well, I think, Mike, the biggest strength of Ancestry is numbers, and that's in records and the number of members of such a diverse number of people right across the world. However, that can also be its we- its biggest weakness.
1: Mm-hmm. Go on, t- talk a little bit more about that, Jane.
2: Well, you will find... A lot of people on Ancestry are very much hobbyist researchers. They want to create big trees that go back as far as possible. And at the end of the day, this results in a mix of superbly researched and accurate trees, all the way to fantasy fairy family trees and everything in
0: between.
1: I love that expression, fantasy fairy family trees. So you got some real people in there, some fairies and some fantasies.
0: Well,
2: they have. At the end of the day, we have to recognise Ancestry is a commercial organisation. Its aim is to sell membership and add on benefits to make money. Sure. So if you want to build your family tree all the way back to Adam and Eve, in the weekend, Ancestry will be happy to take your money. Right. You'll also be happy to take your money if you're a serious, detailed, dedicated, accurate researcher. So everybody's in there.
1: Yeah, yeah. That, that's a very interesting point, really, because... As you say there, you know, I mentioned about 80% of the people plus being members of Ancestry.com. And I, I would I would guess the next one down the line, which is probably something like MyHeritage or, you know, has been a paid one, is probably one-tenth of that at the actual most, um, which kind of says, well, yeah, what drove the growth of Ancestry.com? And it probably was what you're talking about there, that ease of use and the ease of building a tree without maybe too much kind of due diligence, which allows people just to kind of get that that rush to the head when they've just got back another generation, they've just added another family, they've just added another detail to their family tree, and you know what, who cares about the records because Ancestry.com doesn't seem to care about that, so I'll just push ahead.
2: It can, it can be a mix. As everything comes down, and Pam and I keep saying to people, you need to evaluate every record, every hint, every connection whether that is direct from a record collection on Ancestry or a family tree on Ancestry. Come back to the word evaluate.
1: Now, but when you say evaluate, Jane, do you mean that you need to have a vital record attached to every fact or something else?
2: Preferably, you should have at least two different records from two different sources to show that every fact is correct. Now, that's preferably, Mike. That's the gold standard, isn't not. it? That's the gold standard. It won't be feasible in every case. And in some cases, the information will have been passed down by the family
1: sure,
2: and sure. not be available in record format. That doesn't mean it's irrelevant. It doesn't mean it's wrong. It's about showing what your sources were. So if great auntie Agnes told you that X and Y and Z were born here and there, record that great auntie Agnes told you. And yeah. when she told you, whether she was in sound mind, um, how she knew that information. And that's fairly simple. And if we do that, um We then show how much has come from family memory, what has come from what document. Um, Sometimes we can have a a child that is baptised, particularly in the 1860s, six weeks before it's born.
1: Yes, indeed.
2: You will get discrepancies in, 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 in records, and there may be a perfectly good reason. Yes. why things don't agree. And it can sometimes it can be very easily written off, well, well, oh dear, that was a very bad winter when the child was born. Father worked two miles in one direction. There were already four or five kids in the family. And the place to register the civil birth was three miles in the opposite direction Getting there within the time limit may have been difficult. So the child was read, civil birth was slightly late. And on the way, somebody slightly forgot the date because they remembered there would be a big fine if they were two weeks too, too late registering that birth.
1: I love this. I love this. This is a little bit like all those folks back in the day, they didn't have the foresight to think about us. Uh, family history researchers, and the difficulties they'd actually be causing, they were more concerned with their everyday needs and wants. Yeah.
2: On the other hand, Mike, this exact same scenario could mean that that's not your ancestor. It's somebody else who shares your ancestor's name. But unless you look at those facts and evaluate why, how, when, where you won't know
1: so because of that inherent uh, both strength and weakness of ancestry.com you're going to have varying quality is what i hear coming your way in terms of suggestions in terms of hints in terms of all sorts of things and there's a need to evaluate constantly from your point of view but at the same time don't be mistaken in thinking that it's only about the written records or just what's available in the registers and so on as you say, great auntie Agnes, or indeed connecting with another researcher who shares great auntie Agnes' ancestor with you, means that you can take down her information as well and start to share that with other researchers.
2: Absolutely, Mike. The amount of information that passes down through some family, rather than all family, the eldest daughter may know more than the youngest daughter, information may pass down one branch of a family. Indeed. And if we're prepared to share how that information was passed down, then we can show that perhaps there isn't a record, but it has come from a source that it is likely to be every bit as reliable within reason as a family Bible
1: but needs to be recorded as so.
2: Yes. Yeah.
1: Okay, Jane. So th- there we have, again, I, I think we're going to be hearing more about your need to evaluate and uh, need to plan research and so on. Um, but it, it also kind of strikes me as well. And in- I know we were talking about this previously and Pam was very heavy on this as well, which is because of the size of Ancestry.com and that neat little easy to use search Um uh, window on the top left side of your screen the problem there is you just kind of pop in a word or two. we expect results but it's trawling through a way too, uh, too wide information and you're much 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 better off first of all knowing what you want knowing what's there but drilling in deeper to actually search within a very specific corner of ancestry.com When it's when you're actually carrying out some serious research, would you kind of did I capture that right uh, in terms of what you said previously?
2: You did, Mike. It very much comes under topic three, how to um, improve the way people ancestry.
1: Gotcha. Okay, so we'll hold back on that till topic three. So we have their strengths and weaknesses of Ancestry.com and the two big things are essentially both. They are the sheer size and therefore the availability of uh, data in terms of records, members, and so on, and other researchers you can connect with. And I suppose as well as that, then, of course, is the ease of use, which has grown Ancestry.com very, very quickly. But, of course, that removes a lot of the requirement to evaluate what's coming your way. And you're really emphasizing the need to evaluate, evaluate, evaluate there, Jane. So maybe we'll push on to topic two, which is problems with Ancestry.com specific to Irish family history research?
2: That comes down quite often, Mike, to gaps in records. Not all Irish records are represented online. For example, if you're looking for a baptism, many of the surviving Roman Catholic baptism records are available but there are very few Presbyterian baptisms online. And Pam's pointed out to several people that even the ones that are there have gaps.
1: Mm. So what can you do about that, Jane?
2: Well, again, that comes down to preparation.
1: Okay.
2: Looking carefully at the collections that Ancestry have,
1: And you can see that inside Ancestry?
2: You can see that inside Ancestry. Their card catalogue is fantastic. You can drill down into the individual collections. Each individual collection has a summary of what information has been indexed, what information has been there. Is there which may not be the same thing, and how you can search um the records. Okay. But it's equally important. If I was to
1: guess Jane, I would think that probably I don't know 20% of people who use Ancestry.com know and use the card catalog.
2: Maybe I'm um Yeah, I think the important thing is knowing where to find the card catalogue, which it's nearly always um, accessible from the front page of Ancestry. But it's also knowing where you may need to go elsewhere to get the full record.
1: So when you say elsewhere, you mean maybe to the source of the records, let's say uh, for Irish um, civil records, for example, or do you mean to a different search engine, such as family search or something?
2: Yes, civil records are the perfect example. Ancestry has an excellent collection of civil record records. Indexes,
1: and
2: you will get a certain amount of information within that. You get the quite often the maiden name of the mother, um, the surname of the father, the name of the child, and the quarter and the registration district and year of the birth. Right. In marriages, you will get quite often for many of them the quarter and year, and the names of four people, but not necessarily which man married which woman.
1: Right. And, you know, I often see people stop there, actually, Jane, not realising that that information is available in detail, first of all, and also with the original imagery um, at irishgenealogy.ie. And there's they often don't make the leap over there, to actually inspect that particular record in more detail.
2: Correct. And that's a step, that is a step where you do need to step outside of Ancestry. Using Ancestry to to find the hints, first of all, can be incredibly useful. Um, can be very time-saving, particularly where there are surnames that have a variety of spellings. And you will often hear Pam telling people to use a question mark instead of a vowel to allow for flexibility.
1: Like a wild card, yeah.
2: Yes. And Ancestry can can be fantastic for finding some of those indexes that may not come up with a straight search within Irish genealogy.
1: Yes, indeed. You, you're, 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 touching on so, you're touching on something there, Jane, which kind of strikes me is that, you know, Irish genealogy, just take that specific, um, let's say, uh, holding of records and search engine. I mean, I find the search engine there to be kind of very middling at most, you know. Whereas you say Ancestry.com really does a huge strength there in terms of its ability to search through that wide range of information, especially using wildcards and so on. So this, you know, in in some ways, it's useful to look at Ancestry.com in my world more as a search engine and a search uh, aid as opposed to the holder of the records themselves.
2: It can be a bit of a bit of both. It's a strength and a weakness again. It has a strength of you can narrow the search. That can also be a weakness because then it won't pick up a mistranscription, or a poor spelling or a missed record. Right. But it can help you find um, transposed letters that have been recorded transposed in the original document. So you know, you're,
1: you're touching on something there, Jane, which is transcription. And I know we're talking about problems specific to Irish family history research here. And it strikes me that given the, the range of surnames, given the use of Latin, for example, back in the records, that there's many, many a slip, twixt, cup and lip when it comes to actually the transcription of, let's say, the original Irish spelling sometimes, uh, Latin, bad handwriting, and so on. And, of course, the strength of a search engine is only as good as the English that's actually transcribed from the original records. So, you know, it does seem to me that you'd have to be very, very wary about uh, mistranscriptions in many, many places.
2: Yes, Um If you take the the Roman Catholic baptism records, which have been transcribed by Ancestry, Find My Past, many by Roots Ireland, Family Search, and are available in a browsable format on the National Library Ireland, there's a lot of different opportunities to search in different ways. And If we utilize all of those, particularly where we're not sure, then we can sometimes find what is not possible. If we have a very, very definitive date um, and narrow time field that we know our ancestor was born and we know where they were born, and they don't turn up within one search engine, then by using another search engine, we may be able to find them. If we've no idea where our ancestor was born or when they were born, because we're looking at a variety of different dates from later records, then ancestry can sometimes be problematic because we will get too many returns.
1: Right, yeah, yeah. And then you do need to dive into those in some way, but it can be very overwhelming when you see it coming your way.
2: Yeah, when you break it down into smaller bites and smaller tasks, then it's not as overwhelming.
1: Now, Jane, there's another topic there for problems specific to Irish family history research, because you you and I often see... Hints and tips coming our way, pushed by Ancestry, saying, Well, okay, we have this person you're looking for with this name and born pretty much at the same time you mention. And uh, here's one tip which shows them in this place, and another tip which shows them in a different place, and another tip, third one, shows them in a the third place. But you have something very specific to say about differences in location.
2: Yes. Quite often, our ancestors mostly did not travel very far. So if you've got three children, one born in Cork and the next in Derry, Londonderry, and the next in Newry, there may be a problem with that. Unless your ancestor was in the Coast Guard or the RIC where they were moved every couple of years, then you need to look and again evaluate why those families may have moved it may be genuine a skilled tradesperson may well be at the opposite end of the country a corkman was responsible for setting up and being very much involved in the setup of st mary's star of the sea roman catholic church in Killilay in County Down. Mm -hmm. He was a skilled Mm -hmm. mason who was working on the Church of Ireland and the nearest Roman Catholic church was several miles away over at Crossgar. So there's a man who in the 1830s had moved from one end of Ireland to the other
1: but was an exception.
2: And that's a possible exception to the rule. So there are reasons um, why people move.
1: But you're saying that people do need to have their sceptical hat on once they realise the social norms of the day in Ireland for their ancestors, which were in this case, for example, people just did not move. And, you know, it's fascinating to me, Jane, when I start to look at John Grenham's excellent maps showing surname locations, uh, I look, let's say, Pender census for maybe the mid 1600s. I can look at the mid 1800s for the same name and roll up to the 1911 census for the same name. And often for some surnames, they're in exactly the same spot when it came to those various census or Griffiths valuations and so on. And, you know, people just did not move bar originally moving to the city or indeed moving very far to emigrate. And to a certain extent, it's, it's not hugely different today, but, you know, it's, it's something people need to bear in mind that, uh, as you say there, what, what were the social norms of the day? People did not move far. So be very, very careful with those hints and tips coming your way from Ancestry.com, which shows these folks sprayed, if you like, all over the island over 10 or 20 years. So, Jane, that's topic number two, some problems with Ancestry.com specific to Irish family history research. And again, we summarize those by saying there's gaps in the records, there's incomplete record sets, there's all sorts of things like that. And you need to be aware of those by examining the current catalog. And of course, not everything is on Ancestry.com for the same reason. And it may be useful to use other search engines as well to at least kind of turn up things like uh, transcription errors or simply kind of searching things for things just a little bit differently. There are some trips, trip ups and tricks and so on when it comes to Irish records specifically. So now we're going on to topic number three. How can people improve the way they use Ancestry.com correctly? I think we've started in some of these points already.
2: We have evaluation and pre research, research are the key.
1: No, That's, Sorry, you got me there. When you say pre-research, research, <laughs> could you say a little bit more about that?
2: Yes. In a word, preparation. Okay. To, to explain that a little further. Start by setting out the key factors you already know and have confirmed. Then consult Ancestry's card catalogue for the record sets that are accessible and what survives and how to best um, access this. Pam always gives the advice when searching the American records, not to search the the census um, by the main search box, but to go straight to the census. So drill down in the first place. Yes, to search within the census because there are additional fields that you can search in. And if you've done your preparation, you will know these key factors. So by taking out things like also using techniques like taking out vowels and using wildcards, reading the entire collection, before you start to search. Uh,
1: knowing what's there and um, what's not there.
2: Knowing not not just what's there and not there, but whether the entire collection is indexed.
1: Okay.
2: When the Belfast newsletter came online at Ancestry, not all of it was indexed. Now, over time, more and more has become indexed, and the collection has been updated on quite a regular basis. Okay. So one of the very best features Ancestry has is it's actually quite quick to see what they have and when that collection was last added to or updated. Okay. So let's take an example back to the civil records. Please. If you find your ancestor in 1911 census, recently married, starting to have their family. And they have several children you've been able to find. And the last time you looked was two or three years ago, and Jimmy was born in 1917. But you haven't been able to find Doris and Mary. And you didn't know to look for Fred. Okay. Two years, two, three years on from that, because of the 100 year rule of not releasing births until they are over 100 years old, you may now find that you can find additional children that weren't born until 1918, 1919, and we're now heading into 19, sort of being able to access sort of 1920. Yes. As we come forward in another two or three years' time, we'll then be starting to look at which side of the border your Irish ancestor may have been born, because their records may be only available from one jurisdiction or the other jurisdiction. That's
1: because of the partition in 1921-22 there Yes,
2: yes, yes. And ancestry may become particularly, you know, relevant for that for ancestors who were skipping along the border, (laughs) Uh, moving every two or three years um, through work, through increase of family, decrease of family over the years, and they're moving up from one side of the border to the other. So one child may be born in Armagh, and the next child in Monaghan, and then back to Armagh and back to Monaghan. And they maybe only moving two or three miles, if that. But it's enough to put them into a different country's jurisdiction and therefore a completely different set of records.
1: So it's it's important to realise that uh, A, The records are always hopefully improving and being added to uh, through things like the 100-year rule and also just more availability of uh, further records, but also actually realizing some political changes along the way, of course, that may just complicate things a little bit, such as the partition of the island of Ireland around 1922, which means you have to go searching kind of in a different location. But remember that uh, families like your example family, they didn't really recognize the border in the same way because they lived and worked on both sides continuously.
2: Yes, many families living along the border lived in one country, worked in the other. Yeah. They shopped in one country. They went to church in another country.
1: Jane, I love the way that you dive into this sort of detail with these practical examples, which remind us very, very quickly um, how people really live their lives um, and understanding that that's really the backdrop to understanding how to use and interpret so many of these record sets. And it's uh, something that uh, certainly I'm learning more and more as we go along from you, and I'm remembering things again from my own background. And, um, <clears throat> excuse me, well, so if I was to summarize so this topic three with regards to improving the way we use Ancestry.com, you brought up the idea of pre-research research in other words setting out the key factors you know and have confirmed knowing what you're knowing knowing what you don't know then actually going in to look at what record sets are accessible through ancestry.com and what survives and where they are and of course the card catalog is a really important point around that then i just heard you refer to the main search box be wary of that uh, in fact, if you know what you're looking for, for example, go into the 1880 census in the US if you want to search that, because you'll have different search fields. And in fact, Ancestry will throw more relevant information back at you with less noise attached to it, so to speak. And then, of course, we have specifics like vowels and wildcards and so on. And you started to give some really, really interesting examples there, uh, taking the Belfast letter and going on to your family, then and working on both sides of the border And understanding that, Um, I suppose, you know, those three topics, I know we're just scratching the surface, Jane, and I know we're putting together what I consider will be a very interesting course in not so much the nuts and bolts of using Ancestry.com, but kind of many of the aspects that you bring up there, understanding the backdrop, understanding the right approach, understanding the best preparation. So we're putting that together. And, of course, we actually also have the uh, Research Roadmap Inside the green room, and I know I recognize a lot of the words that you're using are from the particular roadmap. So, as we move to summarize some of these points here, Jane, do you want to kind of summarize with any particular points of your own?
2: Um, yes, Mike, I would. I think keeping a tree on ancestry can be an excellent method of collating the information you have for your ancestors, and in particular, the extended members. Of their families. It's a great way to see at a glance. And particularly if you have a family like mine, I think I have around 52 William Orr's who are related to me
0: Mm.
2: on my family tree. And having a resource like Ancestry allows me to tag them, to number them, to sort them out so that I can clearly see. And when I go to my search, my ancestors on Ancestry, I can pull the list up of all those William words. And I can make sure that I'm not duplicating the same people over and over again. Right. I can find the one I'm looking for by his dates, by his geographical location, by his, you know, and then I can go to the Pacific Ancestor I want.
1: So it sounds so, like that's after making your life as a genealogist and a personal family history researcher much easy, easier, the use of Ancestry.com.
2: Absolutely, it does. Three lines, leaf hints, DNA matches, assuming you've tested, of course, can all help provide valuable clues. And this may sound silly, but even the mistakes on other people's trees can help you focus your research, whether that is the correct record attached to the wrong person or a contentious record attached to the correct person. And it comes back to the key is evaluation of every record, every hint, every tree. And my third point is, Ancestry is an excellent place to try out private, non-searchable, quick and dirty trees. And that's a speculative tree to test a theory or three. So and it's, it's,
1: it's private, so you're not being embarrassed by having it out there. And it's and uh, tentative. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yes. And if it's non circle, somebody else isn't going to find it and copy what might be a mistake. So if you have found your ancestor and you have found two possible different marriages... John married Jane and John married Jane, but which one is yours? It's quite easy within Ancestry to build too many trees and test that theory out by following those records. And then you can see whether that leads to an obvious conflict further down the line because you can quickly attach the children, the parents, and you can look at that a little bit more in the round and you can evaluate it much easier. And if you've got a couple of computers, you can look at the both trees side by side and examine them side by side.
1: I I love this. Uh, Folks, you're hearing it here first. This is how professional genealogists do it. (laughs) They create these trees, uh, which they use to beat the bushes and see which kind of records ancestry might come up with and start comparing one tree with another with another. Which, uh, you know, know, it's when you say it like that, Jane, that this is, I, I hear it as being a gold standard of investigative genealogy. Um, that I think a lot of us would feel a little bit shy about doing, you know, kind of probably because we don't really think of private trees too often. We kind of think about, well, whatever I put up there, it has to be good, you know, but it doesn't always have to be good. It has to be useful.
2: Yes. There's a time and a place for having a good public tree. That is well documented, that has the correct citations, that has the correct documents attached, that has the sources, that has descriptive notes. There's also a time and a place to keep your tree private. And that may be to protect living members of your family from embarrassment, from family knowledge that people don't necessarily want out there in the world. Families can be private and not everybody wants to share the information. Not everybody is comfortable having that information shared. Of course. And in today's, if I said security world, Sometimes there are reasons for not putting the information in the public forum.
1: Indeed. So Indeed. There's
2: many different reasons, none of them right, none of them wrong. It's very much what will work with your family and the other members of your family will feel comfortable with um, for example, I do not include much in the way of details of live family members on my private tree.
1: Right.
2: Because my private tree is searchable. I keep living family members information for the most part in a manual notebook where it cannot be accessed anyway. any way. Very interesting. I, okay.
1: simply don't put it, I simply don't put it on the computer. Makes the perfect sense. Uh, Jane, um, listen, this, this um, you know, we, we started off uh, this particular conversation around, around being what drives genealogists crazy about how some people use Ancestry.com. And we talked through some of the strengths and weaknesses of Ancestry.com, problems with Ancestry.com specific to Irish family history research, and how people can improve the way they use ancestry.com correctly. Um I I think you you brought some very wise words there towards the end as well, you know, just kind of uh, and what I really get from you and I think it's a lovely kind of idea and a lovely thought coming through again is this idea of remember that you're dealing with real people who lived real lives. You know, they've their need for privacy is still alive at the moment. And of course, going back along, they lived their lives in ways that weren't really thinking about how they could help you with your research. So they dove back and forth across borders, you know, they they just kind of changed uh, dates of baptism for all sorts of reasons and so on. But they're all good reasons. So it's very, very useful to have the broader context and there's the wider idea of what life was like for your Irish ancestors. But having said that, um, I think you're actually, after throwing up, and I know Pam put her hat in there as well, some very interesting ideas and approaches to improving your use of Ancestry.com so you get better results yourself, but also... So you don't drive Jane McGarvey and Pam Holland crazy from time to time. (laughs) So uh, Jane, listen, I really appreciate your time in this. And I know that you're available for our Green Room members um, to answer lots and lots of questions they may have inside the Green Room related to this particular topic. But of course, we also have show notes for those people tuning in outside And um, I think you'll kind of find it very interesting from I'll put a few notes in the show notes that actually will give you some examples and ideas of just what Jane is talking about. So without further ado, Miss Jane McGarvey, to thank you very, very much for giving us some of your very precious time today from the county down.
2: You're very welcome, Mike. It's been lovely to be here. And please ask if you have a question. Ask
1: right jane with that on everybody and we're looking forward to having a chat again next week well isn't that lady one mine of useful information thanks so much to jay mcgarvey for joining me today to discuss what drives genealogists crazy about how some people use ancestry.com Hopefully you found that very useful and perhaps be inspired to go away and try some different approaches using Ancestry.com for yourself. And of course, if you want to interact with Jane, she is available to you alongside our other genealogist, Pam Holland, inside the green room. So you will also find the show notes at a letter from forward slash 607. That's a letter from forward slash 607. So until next week, slalom for now.